All right, it says recording on my end. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, what's up, everyone? Uh, my name's David. I'm here with the Magical Stories of Healing and Spiritual Gifts podcast here with my amazing wife, Megan. Hi. Uh, we are doing our very first ever video podcast uh, with the amazing, you say, you, how do you pronounce your name? Loke. Loke? Loke, yeah, Loke. Loke Bone? Yep. That's awesome. It. I love it. We're, we had to practice that. Yeah, <laughs> say her name, but we're so excited, man. We have, obviously we've never met in person. We met from our magical healing group and we have just insanely resonated with everything you said, man. You have such a beautiful way of speaking, beautiful way of like just explaining things. It's very calming. Very, very yes. I'm like, he had PTSD. I'm like, what? Cause right. like you are so just, like very like zen and and inspiring at the same time yeah so we're, we're pumped to have you it's funny because we're getting our list of people we have i don't know like a ton of people that yeah. are lined up to interview and she was just like we've got to interview this guy we've got to interview we got it and that so. yeah, yeah yeah and that's before i knew like a little bit more about your your story i just knew that we were supposed to talk with you so i was so excited yeah right. Yeah, I'm excited too. This is my first podcast, so it's great to be with you guys. Awesome. Oh, nice. Well, it's our first video, so we'll... Uh, where, where are you in the UK? No, I'm actually in Victoria, in Canada. Oh, Canada. Columbia. Yeah. How long have you been there for? Uh, I've been here for a few months, but I grew up here, so I spent the last like six years or so traveling and going to different places, and so I'm finally back and kind of more grounded but still traveling. Yeah, nice. Cool, man. Well, um, yeah, we have we have a bunch of questions for you. Uh, a lot of really interesting stuff, man. You've been through a lot. So let's just, to start out, what um, tell us a little bit about your childhood. Uh, what did that look like? I would say my childhood was pretty normal, actually. Yeah? Uh, just kind of grew up in a regular middle-class Western house and um, beautiful parents with a lot of love and a big family. And yeah, just like kind of a ideal life, I suppose, in many ways. Where I live in British Columbia, it's, it's, there's a lot of like middle class people and just it's kind of an idealistic place to live, kind of like a fairy tale type of place. In certain oh, very cool. um, it has its shadows too, you know, but I've, I was blessed to not really have any kind of like abusive upbringing or anything like that. It was, just a lot of love and that's really carried me through some challenging experiences in my life. That's nice. amazing. Did you, did you grow up religious or with any kind of spirituality or anything like that? Well, not so much religion, but my mother calls herself, um, I guess a witch you could call her. She practices Wicca. So <laughs> okay. That wasn't really like pushed on us by any means, but it was part of the conversation of growing up and you know, there was always like different things in the house, like witchy stuff <laughs> so yeah what was that like like did she like have like little rituals that she did and yeah she has her community and she would do rituals and bring ritual into day-to-day -day life but like That's I cool. said she was really she was raised Catholic and she was that was kind of pushed on her in certain ways oh, so yeah. she was very yeah. sensitive to doing that to us she didn't want to traumatize us yeah. You mean she wanted to let y'all think for yourselves? Yeah. So I know that the reason that you had the trauma was because of your father, right? Mm -hmm. Which makes even, it's, I can see how it'd be so much harder because 
if you have like just been you know surrounded by love and parents that are very loving to you i can only imagine um at a young age or any age you know um going through a traumatic event like you did could you tell us about that and like how old were you and you know just is that a, do you mind yeah i would you love talk to. about it a lot in your videos so that's why i asked yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I think it's a really important story to share because it helps to build connection, you know, and, and help us all realize that no matter what we're going through, we've all been through it. And sometimes we look at people who are maybe a few steps ahead and we think we can't get there, but we were all going through challenges at some point. And my father was diagnosed with cancer when I was 14 years old and he had colon cancer and they did a surgery and they were able to remove the cancer but then a few months later he ended up having it spread to his lymphatic system and mm. he was given five to ten months to live and so that was a really challenging experience for me because I was already going through you know the rites of passage of just becoming a teenager which is really difficult already yeah yeah for sure and I had no idea how to navigate anything like that I was I was just a kid and didn't understand what it meant to have grief or to go through any kind of crazy emotions and all of these things. So through that process, I had to just kind of learn on the fly and made a lot of mistakes. So really, you know, it was the trauma that was the hardest for me was witnessing my father, this figure that I had looked up to my whole life and who was a very strong masculine presence. Yeah. Uh, to have his body fail and to see his emotions come up in such a strong way and, and for many months he was in a deep state of grief because he was facing death and he mm. knew he was going to die and, and he knew he was soon going to have to say goodbye to his children and he wasn't sure what would happen to us you know he was our protector and he really stood true to that and it was heartbreaking for him to think well i can't protect my children anymore at least not physically yeah oh. to see that i i picked up a lot of his process too I feel like it stuck to me I'm very empathic so I ended up carrying that for many years and that was where I got a lot of PTSD from it took me many years to work through that and get the images out of my mind of seeing my father in this state because I was living with him we were continuing life as usual so it it was never like, oh, we need to keep the kids away from this process and pretend like everything's okay. Right there every day. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So really accompanying him through the process. And I think that that was hard for all of us, but it was ultimately a really deep gift because I learned a lot through that experience. I learned the realness of life and, you know, not to hide things away or pretend like things are okay when, when they're not. You know, yeah, it's the worst thing you can do. For so many people do that. They sweep it under the rug and act like everything's fine. And, and that's you know, what I did with my trauma. And, yeah, you can you can lie to the world. You can lie to your friends. You can't lie to yourself. Yeah, you know. And actually, my my father's father, he um, lost his dad when he was eight or nine years old, and it was a very traumatic, sudden thing. And after his father died, his family pretended like it never happened. They never talked about it. There was no processing. There was no space for grief and everyone was expected to just move forward. And I never spoke to my grandfather about this. I heard these stories from my parents, but it ended up touching him in a really deep way that he wasn't able to show up as a father in the way that 
maybe he could have, you know, because he had such a trauma. And so actually, shortly after my grandfather died, he died of a sudden heart attack. Within a few months, my father started to have the symptoms from his cancer. And shortly before- It's like a light switch that turns yeah. on for like, and short, it's and, and shortly before my father died, just a few months, I actually had a very serious colon disease called ulcerative colitis. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he died of colon cancer. So there's a very clear. Oh my God. Of, so then you have probably thoughts of like fear, right? Yeah, of course. Oh my gosh. That's so it's like my dad was dying. I was sick in bed. Like my whole life was basically crumbling and I was only 16 years old. So I can imagine that young of a mind dealing with that. Like, I mean, it sucks to deal with that at any age, yeah. but that young of a mind not really understanding much about life and now just having all this grief and like death and like all these man that's gonna rock your subconscious but then like getting like fearing that oh my gosh am i getting the same thing that he just died from right. like i mean that's a complete mind i mean that's horrible yeah. it was crazy and you know i remember at one point before i got sick i was maybe 15 and facing this inevitability of my father's death and i I didn't talk about my emotions with anyone really. I just, I, I was able to cry, I was able to process it, but I couldn't share it with other people. I just, I didn't have the skill. I didn't know how to do it. And I, and I was scared to be vulnerable in that way. And I remember at one point I was in my room and I was just crying and grieving and going through this really deep process. And I felt it all in my gut. And I literally had this thought, wow, this pain is eating away at me. And a few months later is when I got diagnosed with this disease, which ulcerative colitis is literally ulcers throughout the entire colon. And it was literally like, I I don't see it as, I use the word ulcerative colitis because it's a way for us to grasp what it could be. Right. To me, it was was grief. To me, it was spiritual and physical too. You know, my diet wasn't very healthy, but um, definitely it was the grief eating away at me. That's how I perceive it at least. No, I mean the same thing, and and for me with my trauma, I mean it all started in my gut too, in my intestines. That's where it started, and I mean, golly, I could not eat anything hardly. You know, mm-hmm. everything I was intolerant to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and but it was suppressed trauma. But like I was not as smart as you were because it took me. 20 years of going to every kind of doctor you can think of, whether it's conventional or holistic or energetic, like you name it, I've done it. And it took that long for me to be like, huh, it's actually on an energetic, you know, spiritual level. Mm. You know, it's a blessing that you were able to figure that out like so soon. Like that's amazing. I mean, it was, for me, it was really this space of, I mean, first of all, I think that it was a lot of not being able to di- literally digest my experiences, not being able to digest. Wow, yeah. And what I what I realized is that the doctors were not very helpful. Um, they put me on drugs, you know, like steroids and anti-inflammatories. And they, they worked a little bit, but I remember we went to a doctor's office after they, they put me on these drugs, it helped. And we went to this doctor to confirm that it was ulcerative colitis and he was gonna do a colonoscopy. So me and my mom are sitting in his office and he's like, you know, on like the third or fourth floor in a downtown uh, office, really beautiful office, big, huge desk, kind of the classic doctor. And right on the center of his desk is this huge like trophy, gold plated thing that was literally a depiction of the drug I was taking. <laughs> and it was like, 
you know, wow, wow. I prescribed a lot of that to get a trophy. Right. And me and my mom looked at him and said, well, okay, so we're going to do this, you know, um, procedure. Is there any advice about diet or other things like that? And he said, yeah, you know, just don't eat McDonald's and try to eat your vegetables. And me and my mom just looked at each other like, this guy is not who we want to be working uh-huh. So we walked out of the office and right away we said, we're going to find a different doctor. And we ended up finding yeah. one who was a bit more open-minded, but the reality is gastroenterologists are just... They don't, they're not, they don't study nutrition at all. They don't get that food is medicine. It's yeah. mind-blowing. Yeah. <laughs> or it's toxic, but... Yeah. And, <laughs> and pretty much like what they said was, you know, yeah, pretty much you're going to be on these drugs for the rest of your life and hopefully it won't get worse. And if it gets worse, then we might have to cut your colon out. And I was like 16, imagining the rest of my life on drugs. Yeah, and, and like having that planted in your mind. God, yeah. like thoughts are things. That's crazy. And yeah, I get it. I, I went through something similar, so I feel you, man. Yeah, so. I, just, I just had to find a world to live because it was interesting, you know, in a sense, there wasn't much to live for from my mind because my father had died, I was sick. Right. But there was this feeling in my heart and it was my spirit that said, I want to live. I want to live this life and I want to live a good life. And so that was what carried me through the experience and gave me all the motivation I needed to make different choices and to clean things up, you know? And yeah. it started it started with the physical. It started with diet and food, yeah. and supplements. We went to a naturopath who was very helpful. Did you do anything like, um, like affirmations, like meditation, that sort of? Well, actually, let's back up. Like, did yeah. you like even have? Am I am I wrong on this? Did you um, have like any addictions or anything that you went through? Was that a thing that? Yeah. So did that happen a little later? No, it actually happened sooner. I was, you know, addictions. I think there's this dramatic perspective of addictions as like heroin and cocaine and really serious things, which, you know, it's not to downplay those. Those are like the highest level of addictions, I suppose. And I was lucky not to suffer from that. But from the age of like about 10 to 14, I was actually really seriously addicted to video games. And it was such a problem that- It's such a real thing, man. Yeah, I, I stopped socializing with people. I would wake up in the morning and try to get some games in before school and all day of school, that's all I really would think about. And I'd come home and just get right back on the computer. Well, it was an escape for you, I'm sure. Yeah. It was it's a way- such a real thing. That's yeah, the, you, he knows about I, that. I was, I loved RPGs. I played RPGs yeah. uh, religiously. Oh yeah, totally. I was, it I did. was totally addicted to World of Warcraft. I, oh man, I played RPGs <laughs> and like, my, my littlest brother, I don't really, for various reasons that on another show we can do, I don't, uh, my original family doesn't talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and my because littlest, because of psychedelics, they think psychedelics is heroin. Yeah. And they think I'm down this horrible path because of psychedelics, but that's a whole other story. Right. But anyway, <laughs> the point is, I genuinely have a worry for my youngest brother. From the age of like, dude, six, he's 20 now. I'm not even shitting you, probably 11 hours a day. Like, that's all he does. He wakes up early to play four hours. He went, used to go to school and then he plays hours on video. Like, people, I guess it's all, everything in There's moderation. Kids across and the street that it's like just, that, yeah. dude, that's it such an addiction. You're so real. So, I talked to you about that. How'd, how'd you realize that there was a problem and how'd you overcome yeah, that? Yeah, and how do you like break that pattern? Right. Well, really, you know, it, it started to become apparent one summer where I, all I did was, play video games. I didn't 
my friends would call me, I would just ignore the calls. Like, I even had one friend that would periodically come to my house and I would be ignoring his calls, so he would just come over and try to find me and he would like bang on my bedroom window and I literally would just pretend like I wasn't home because I also had a lot of social anxiety and I didn't know how to relate to people. So the video games was an escape for that. And I spent the whole summer playing video games. I didn't even get any sunshine or anything. Mm. And it, it kind of planted a seed, like, maybe this isn't normal, you know? And, you know <laughs> yeah. But it, it wasn't quite enough to break it. And what it really took was two things. One thing was my father got sick and something just shifted. Um, it was like a breaking point and I can't describe it. It wasn't a mental thing. It wasn't a decision. It just happened kind of organically where I just like, my life blasted open in a strange way and video games just lost their appeal in certain ways. And Your internal priorities shifted. Yeah, exactly. I guess that was like the rite of passage in a sense. And then I started to socialize with some people at school and I started to smoke marijuana actually, which was also an addiction eventually. But for that point, it served a really clear purpose and it helped me to relate to people. It, it also protected me in a sense from the overwhelming emotions that I was going through. Yeah. It was a bridge to a different life. Oh yeah. That marijuana was the same thing for me. Like I'm listening to you and I'm like, wow, I can totally relate to that. Like, yeah. Well, the marijuana turned into an addiction where it's I- same and, for me. And, and once again, it's like people say it's not addictive, but I, I disagree. Yeah, it, it can be, yep. All relative. I think everything, can be addictive. It's just how we relate to it. Like, Everything. And, and, and I don't think yeah. everyone is bad, but it, it is. It's all about moderation. Yeah. And some people, that's hard. And it, if you you can use, especially it's as you know, we're, we're huge advocates of plant medicine, and it's all about how it's used. It can be used medicinally and all that stuff. But yeah, anything can be abused. And man, anything can be. People can be addicted to anything. You know, the dopamine drops in your brain. You want that again. It's when it starts to detract from your life or take you know, stuff away from your life and it starts yeah. to cause a detriment that it becomes a problem and you can't, you think you can't stop anyway. Right, right. So you, you, yeah, take us back through, uh, you were going to the conventional medicine, that wasn't working, props to you and your mom for having the consciousness and willpower and uh, evolved state of, you know, not going with conditionality and all that to like say this isn't right because other people right. will keep going down that path and maybe don't have a colon right now. Uh, but you, you took the other path. So talk to me about how, talk to me about how did you like go through it and find your way to overcome it and like, have, like lead us up to plant medicine. Up to plant medicine. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Um, so pretty much I went to a naturopath and he was, I was eating really crappy, you know, like I was always a really picky eater, would only eat starches and protein, like meat and stuff and like fried foods and just really not a healthy diet. I would drink soda every day and um, I went to this doctor and he just put it in my mind really clearly that it was either I change my ways or I choose conventional therapies you know mm. I mean he would support wow. me regardless but his support was diet mainly so it's like yeah. either I would take it or leave it right and it just became clear to me because I knew what was on the other side of just continuing with my same old habits which was also an addiction I was super addicted to food and you know what it took many years to break through that and even eating healthy I was still addicted to food and like I had eating disorders because I was so obsessed about 
what I was eating and I was terrified to eat all these different foods. Like if I ate a piece of bread, it would feel like the end of the world. Jeez, oh, that's, that's yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> that's not. Back then. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is like me. I can totally like, this is all resonating for me. Big really? time, yeah. big time. And it's like, maybe it's just an inevitable part of the process, but um, yeah, so I pretty much went to this doctor and cleaned things up and I changed my diet over the course of a few months, you know, like slow but sure, just started eating more veggies and cutting out red meats and just eating lighter and cleaner and organic. And he put me on a lot of supplements, enzymes and um, digestive, like L-glutamine to rebuild my digestive system, um, probiotics, multivitamins, just everything my body needed to heal itself. And he, put, he instilled a lot of hope in me because he also saw that I was young and as a young person, our bodies can bounce back a lot quicker. So he really pushed me and encouraged me and started to encourage me to find ways to relieve stress, which at that point, the only way I knew how to relieve stress was with marijuana, honestly. And yeah. it, was really helpful. it was a medicine, but, yeah. but um, it was also becoming a crutch. So eventually I could only get so far with these natural therapies with the diet and everything. And every once in a while, like, the symptoms would flare back up and then I'd be sick for a few weeks even though I was doing everything right and it took me through a lot of process of like blaming myself and getting down on myself because I, I felt the responsibility of the sickness that it was my responsibility to heal it and that also in a sense it was my actions that had brought me to that place so when we're overly responsible we can get really hard on ourselves and I was falling into that pattern but eventually I started to reach out to some other healers to ask for help and you know acupuncture was helpful but mm-hmm. I would say what really shifted it for me was um, shamanism for lack of a better term I mean it's kind of an interesting yeah oh, around everywhere now but really just that earth-based shamanistic healing to get to the root of it which was a lot of soul loss my spirit had got fragmented and was all over the place and that was before my dad even died because of all the patterns of my life but what mm. the loss of my father and the sickness just accentuated that so doing some soul retrieval to bring my spirit pieces back and that really that kind of work it takes time to integrate it you know it took me years really to experience the healing because once the soul's back, then we still have to clean ourselves up and yeah. years of just going through the emotions and letting the grief wash through me and really to learn to relate to grief in a different way because the colon, the way that I related to the colon, which is how they talk about in Chinese medicine, which is the organ of letting go. And really the grieving process is a process of letting go. So it's no wonder that the colon was where I was exhibiting the most symptoms because I was also unable to let go of this grief. And really what held on to the grief for me was that I was holding on to the pain of the experience and the suffering. And the only way I knew how to grieve to get to the tears and the emotion was to think about the terrible things that we, I had experienced seeing my dad sick and watching him die again and that was like the PTSD I just kept running over these images really terrible images of, of what my father was going through but I was able to grieve through that but the grief it always just kept coming back because I was relating to it with right suffering. Yeah. oh still there Loki Loki froze Loki oh. 
<laughs> okay. We pause it. All good. We paused yeah, it. We paused, we paused, it. paused it. So there's a little blip. We're good. <laughs> You're on a roll. <laughs> we'll edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the grief was a, a process of, of letting go. And I was holding on to the pain of the experience, the suffering. And it took many years for me to realize that I was just running in, in circles. I was just in a mental loop. And I wasn't letting things go. I just, and then the pain just kept coming back and the sickness kept coming back. And it really took me getting to the point of realizing that I needed to relate to grief with love, to remember the love that was shared, the love of the experience. And that love is ultimately what healed me, mm-hmm. to be able to remember all the good times and the beauty and also the pain of the loss, which is the loss of the love of the father, the loss of that presence and the missed opportunities and all of these aspects that come along with a death like that. And the work of Martin Practel really helped me with that. He talks about grief and praise, which is basically in his culture, um, grief and praise are the same, that it's just kind of two sides of the same coin, that in order to grieve, it's really just a praising of life. And through the praising, can come some really difficult emotions and pain and sadness but it comes the origin of it is love the origin of it is gratitude rather than the origin being fear and pain and suffering. right right and the love can bring pain and suffering in a sense because it's like wow i don't have that anymore that's really difficult to face but the, where does it stem from what are the roots of it so wow helped me to heal too because once I learned how to let go of my emotions and let go of the grief then I let go of the sickness too. That's amazing dude that's awesome. Like did you ever like do work where you like uh, would like feel like the pain again and like just kind of like breathe into it you know that's I that's a lot of work that I did you know in the Mm -hmm. past that that helped me but again like you it would have taken probably of it, yeah. but it works, yeah. It, it tries, pain is, that, that idea, that fear, you know, that thought process, it, it always tries to sneak back in, but oh, yeah. it takes vigilance, you know, awareness, and realizing that we don't have to feed that anymore. Yeah, now talk to me about, like, so I know that um, you had told us prior to this that you had used, like, mushrooms therapy, I believe ayahuasca, so that's the thing that, like, help me get to like my next level of healing um so i am like dying to know about your experiences like like can you walk me through like the plant medicines because so many people don't get their condition to not believe in plant medicine like that's a bad thing like i have part of my family is like that and i'm like how i'm literally like healed how is this a bad thing but like they don't know what they don't know you know so do you mind like walking us through like what those experiences were like for you? Like why you, you know, use them and, and how that experience was like? I'm dying to hear about your ayahuasca one. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, my first experience was with mushrooms and I was actually only 14 years old. It was shortly after I started smoking marijuana and it was like, oh, oh let's, let's go on to the next thing, you know, and, huh. and, and mushrooms. So. <laughs> me and one of my friends who had had experience with it, we bought a bunch of mushrooms. We bought like half half an ounce of mushrooms or something like that. And we made a tea and drank it. And then we walked back to my other friend's house. There was like a, a few friends that were not having the medicine. They were just kind of hanging out with us. 
and we go back to my friend's basement and I hadn't felt the mushrooms kick in yet and I was just sitting there like and I look at my friend and I was like I think we took too many <laughs> so I started started to get tired and I laid down on the couch and I started to fall asleep and I was half aware of my body and half aware of the dream so it was like this kind of lucid state in a sense and I felt all this pressure in my in my like intestines and stuff and I started to go to this dream state where I visited my father he was he hadn't been diagnosed with deathly cancer yet he was in between that state he had had his surgery it seemed like it was clear but we weren't sure and he was still recovering and i went and visited my father and in that moment i learned on a spiritual level that he was going to die and wow. his spirit told me that so i was laying on my friend's couch oh ready to cry and then i opened my eyes and like it's just a bunch of 14 year olds you know and all my friends are looking down at me like is he okay <laughs> he's crying oh my <laughs> and I was just like in this, wow, this such a weird experience and I felt all this pressure and then in my god and then I realized like finally I was like what is this pressure and I was like oh I just really have to pee and so I got up and <laughs> went to the bathroom and and I was like guys we gotta get out of this basement and so we went outside I didn't really like I was experiencing the emotions of that, but I didn't fully comprehend what that vision was at the time, right. more in retrospect that I realized it. Um, so I kind of moved on from it and we went outside and it was just then like a really expansive, beautiful experience, the more yeah. classic mushroom experience, feeling very connected to nature and to each other and laughing and having fun. So it was like the two sides, bad trip followed by a beautiful trip. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, that kind of put me off psychedelics. It was kind of a intense process and, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. you know a few years later maybe when I was like 19 or, or 20 I think yeah like 20 or 21 I drank ayahuasca for the first time and that really opened me up to some yeah. possibilities and I feel like the ceremony in itself was healing but the more healing that I experienced was the opening of a path and a string of synchronicities that led me to where I needed to be, which I was set to go to school and become a chemist and do all these things that would have just been more conventional. And after, yeah. after the ayahuasca experience, I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I took off on a road trip and started, uh, started traveling and I haven't really stopped since. But I had kind of an aversion to plant medicines too because I felt like there was an element of fear and there was an element of me wanting to experience spirituality in, in what I perceived as maybe a more pure state in the sense of achieving certain experiences and realizations without the assistance of such a strong plant. So I was drawn more to ceremonies like sweat lodge. Um, I did a lot of sweat lodges and I started to get really tied to that path and really felt like this is what I need. This is good. I don't need plants. And then eventually I met a woman and she introduced me to some other plants and it kind of just happened to me and I resisted it for a long time, but I started to open to it because once the plants come, we've, 
sometimes can't fight it. Like they're they have a mind of their own, man. Yeah. They, they do. There's this yeah. there's this divine intelligence, and that's what blew my mind. You know, I've done psychedelics before. Psychedelics are not a party drug. They're very intense and they're very like yeah. soul searching. And even as time was went on, it's just an intense, very intentional experience that is used for a specific reason. It's not any kind of party thing. No. But the difference with ayahuasca- It's definitely not a party one. <laughs> ayahuasca, it was like this divine intelligence, this like powerful, but beautiful, nurturing, loving, strict intelligence that like is, is very real. <laughs> like it is not, I just, for me at least, it was a very different kind of psychedelic experience. I don't really believe yeah. it like with, like with mushrooms or with LSD. It was definitely its own thing. And that's what I was interested too, man, not to jump around, but you said, I've never heard of Wilma or Wachuma. What, could you- I've heard of Wachuma, but I don't know what it is. Could you explain those peyote, two? Peyote, yeah. peyote. Peyote? Yeah. yeah. So, peyote. <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of plants, especially in, in South America and many that the West hasn't learned about yet, but Wachuma is, is San Pedro. So most people have actually- Oh, uh, okay, okay. Wachuma is more the ancestral term of it. So I have a um, question about San Pedro. I've heard it's more of like a loving experience, like a beautiful experience, whereas ayahuasca, like ayahuasca kicked my ass. So like, I mean, I'm curious, is, is that true? You know, with my experience with it, Wachuma is a very humbling medicine and it works in, it, the way that I've experienced it in my life is that the effects of the ceremony play out over the coming months. So mm -hmm. I, drank, I drank Wachuma one time and this was like my first time with it. And over the course of a few months, I totally went through a lot of deaths and I had to learn a lot about myself and I had to look at myself about how I was trying to control things and look at my fear and all these things that are really difficult to see in ourselves because the medicine of the wachuma is is it cuts off our heads so it tends to get out, get us out of the mental wow kind of just kind of helps dissolve the ego a bit yeah definitely that's such a powerful concept too is this thing of trying to control and i've dealt with that like uh that, that's something that i still have to remind myself of not try to control like there's this flow about life like i definitely feel it kind of ties into divine guidance and like the plan for us all but you know, it's, it's, it's this flow. You got to find your flow. If you're trying, if you're trying to force it, that's resistance. And like, yeah. you got to find Lockage. that flow. Yeah. And what, what's, what's Wilma? Wilma <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a called Wilka. It's a medicine from South America too. Oh, so. oh Wilma. Yes. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> Wilma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're researching Wilma uh, after this. Wilma ceremony. So, so Wilka is a South American plant. Yeah. It's like, it's like a DMT plant. Okay. okay. So, there's a lot more, you know, there's a lot more teachings about these plants, but they're really, I don't feel it's my place to share too much about them online. In sure. The okay. Country. Got it. Um, yeah. That's more also for the elders to share. It's nice. More for their, their yeah. place. If they were on the podcast, then it would be their discernment, but I feel like I'm just no, I respect that. Yeah, and you've got it is, it's such a sacred thing, man. That's so true, and I pre I can totally appreciate that. And that's one of yeah. the things that we came away with this experience too is how sacred these plants are and how that process is. It is so very sacred, and um, it, it also it's kind of cool how it makes you look at so much in life as sacred. You know, we take 
it, people are, we get so busy and just constantly doing things, you don't stop and realize things are really truly sacred. So um, I get that, man. That's awesome. And all of these have been incredibly healing for you, right? Definitely. Very healing, very beneficial. They're, the plants are teachers and they've come to help us and they contain a very deep technology within their codes and they can help us to use that technology like we use cell phones to learn things and learn how to be humans again because I think many of us have forgotten what it means to be a human, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman and that the plants have a way to help bring that into balance. And how old are you now? How old am I? Yeah. I'm 26. Wow, you You've got your shit together. Right. I am impressed. 26, I was binge drinking in New York, making all kinds of bad decisions. Sure, that's awesome. You're yeah. going to step up on the world. This is all Yeah. It's very refreshing. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, so the other thing about the plants that I've learned is that, you know, they're considered hallucinogens and the visions have their place, but I think the real benefit is to learn how to maintain our center and to sit in our seats and to be in the dizziness of that experience of the plants because they can make us really confused and dizzy and, and all these things but yeah. when we learn how to do that in a ceremony whether it's with a plant medicine or whether it's on a vision quest or in a sweat lodge we learn the innate ability as humans to find our center in stressful situations when the pressure of life is put on us we learn how to breathe we learn how to navigate that inner realm and that's really what i think the plants have helped me with the most and i think it's important to share that because a lot of times it can become this like oh entertaining thing like wow it's so cool to see fractals and see surfing yeah. and whatever else and that's that's cool it's not to say that <laughs> Those fractals have codes and information for us that we can benefit from, but they can also just distract us. And it's just like in life, you know, there's yeah. a lot of distractions. So how can we maintain our focus even when all these crazy things are happening around us? Wow. That's, where, that's where I think the benefit of plant medicine is the strongest for me. That is awesome. What a Badass introspection, man. I love that. Finding your center. <laughs> it's true because you got to yeah. be able to really, that's why you got to be able to just really meditate and come back to yourself and just relax and breathe. You said it yourself, focusing on your breath and breathing yeah, is please. the most underestimated factor you can you can play into that. So. Now, what is the sweat lodge retreat like? Yeah, I've never, uh, I mean, a I ceremony? Have, like a ceremony. Yeah, the, sweat yeah. lodge, the sweat lodge is a pretty ancient tradition and I've sweat mainly in the Lakota way um, and there's other cultures like in Mexico they have their own versions of a sweat lodge which is called a Temescal but the sweat lodge is basically a, a dome that the people go into and in the center is a pit and you bring these hot stones from a fire and in the center there's the medicine person or the, the leader who's guiding the ceremony and they pour water on the stones and there's generally four rounds and the sweat lodge is totally dark so you can't see anything and each round has a different purpose depending on which family or which elder is guiding it and you basically call to certain spirit helpers to come and help the people and, and to bring healing and, and mm -hmm. also cleanse it's primarily a cleansing ritual so it helps us to release all the 
most of the things we carry in our lives, the people that we carry because we're, you know, maybe we're living with someone who's going through a hard time or our family is having difficulties and we can carry that on our shoulders sometimes and, you know, that can get really heavy. So we need ceremonies that cleanse us too and cleanse us spiritually because the world is such a crazy place. We're picking up all this stuff and, you know, know, people burn sage all the time to cleanse themselves, but to go a bit deeper and this one is really good for that. How long is the ceremony? It's usually like around two or three hours. It really depends. And each round will last maybe 20, 30 minutes. And then there's a break in between. And generally the rounds involve songs, traditional songs, depending on the culture. In this case, it would be Lakota songs. And they all have a very specific purpose to them and reason and they call to certain energies. To That's so cool. I've never heard of that. it. No, that sounds amazing. I would love that. It sounds a lot more pleasant than ayahuasca. Um, <laughs> Sign me up for that one, please. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful experience. It's really helped me in my life in many ways. Too. Yeah, it sounds like you're a pretty big fan of those. Yeah, yeah, I love the sweat. And um, in the sweat lodge, it's it's considered like the womb of the mother, the mother earth. Okay. So when we go in, we, we crawl into the lodge as if we're children again, or babies. And through the sweat lodge, we're reborn. We go through a rebirthing process and we crawl out and are reborn as a new person. And we have the opportunity to, to leave behind whatever we need, you know, and, and move fresh. And it is amazing how like those songs really do mean something and they really, there's power. So much power to those songs, man. Right, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible. Well, not to jump into a deep question here, but totally curious, man. Your upbringing, everything you've been through, what, what are your thoughts on God? On God? Yeah. I think that I think that God is a coyote. <laughs> That's amazing. I've never heard that before. You're such an interesting individual, man. I love it. Please, um, tell us more about that. I just think that, like, as humans, we get wrapped up in a lot of drama. And I think that God, we, we sometimes come to God with, like I believe in, in, a, in a power, a God. I don't know if I believe of like a God that's one bearded man in the stars or something. Right. I don't really believe in an overarching God-like force, a God energy. Right. Yep. Life keeping, force, yeah. Keeping existence together. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, we can, I believe in the power of prayer and asking for that power to support us. Yep. And I think that a lot of times we come to God with a lot of our human problems and it's kind of for us to sort through, you know, because I've realized in my process of learning to pray that a lot of times I would pray to God or whatever you want to call it, to the spirits or these different energies and coming with this victim mentality of wanting to be saved in a sense, like, oh, life is hard, yeah. help me make it easier. Rather than being grateful, yeah. And I realized that Life isn't necessarily meant to be easy. I don't think life is meant to be some terrible struggle where we suffer all the time either. But I think that God is probably pretty entertained with all of our drama, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's a coyote. I think he's always playing tricks on us and like such putting us in situations. You know, he definitely has such a sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's interesting that it spells dog, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, well, what do you think happens after death? Well, 
I think that when we die, we return to the spirit realm mm -hmm. and we get there. To go home is how a lot of cultures call it, and I relate to that because we're here. Our, I feel that our spirit is timeless and that we live perhaps many lifetimes, many existences, many lives. Right. And when we die, we get to return to nothingness in a sense, but also to return to that space of love and return to God in a way, whatever you want to call it. And I think that a lot of us remember that place that we came from. There's an innate remembrance, especially when we're on the spiritual path. And I think that sometimes we want to go back to that place. And when we have that desire, then sometimes we can become self-destructive because we want to return to the love that we came from. And the fastest way to return there is, I think, to die, personally. <laughs> but we also came here not to just jump out as soon as possible. So without that awareness, I think there's a lot of like self-suicide kind of tendencies. Like for me, I look at my life and I've gone through, I haven't really struggled with suicide so much, but I've made a lot of choices in my younger years that were contrary to life, that they were bringing me towards death because I think I didn't want to live. There was something that, that I didn't like this world because I remembered how beautiful the place that I came from was, that we all came from. And I wanted to go back there. I think a lot of people relate to that, mm. consciously or unconsciously. So I think that death is a really beautiful place. And I think also we probably come back, you know, there's many lifetimes. I believe in multiple lives and all these things. So. I think we're all here on a mission. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, we are. So, what are you? Uh, what are you doing now, man? Are you a healer? Are you a coach? What are yeah. talk, talk to bring us up to date with uh, with your life? Well, right now, I'm working on some different projects, but I'm mainly focused on writing a book, actually. Nice. To hopefully help people to heal themselves. It's mm -hmm. kind of integrating a lot of what we're talking about here, especially with death. Um, it's a book kind of like a guide that will help people through the grieving process so that hopefully they don't struggle with that thing I was talking about earlier with the suffering and the pain and all of that but to learn how to relate to grief as a friend and an ally and a space that can be one of love even if it's painful and kind of integrate like through the book integrating my experiences too and, and just sharing them with the world and saying this is how I got through it and you know I feel very healed for lack of a better term with my grief and you know I have a lot of peace in my heart because of all this work that I've done and I'm able to talk about it and share about it and it doesn't really stir pain inside of me and I think that a lot of people need to hear that too because especially when we go through a big loss it can feel like the pain will never end and I want to offer a message that that doesn't necessarily have to be a reality um, and if it is, it's okay too, you know, like every loss is different. I don't think there's one way to grieve or that you can do it wrong necessarily, but I think there's a lot of ways to do it that are maybe shortcuts. So you know? a book that's going to help people learn how to heal themselves. Give people and, hope. And to, yeah. and to help people through the grieving process. That is amazing. And sign yeah. us up. We're in. Yeah. That is, that is great. I want a signed copy. That's right. right. Sounds good. I'll send you guys some books when they're ready. That's awesome. How's it coming along? How far along are you? It's good. I'm a couple chapters in and I've really been just focusing on the structure of it and getting all my thoughts and experiences onto paper. 
and then it's gonna plug into place, you know? So right now it's kind of the bare bones of it and then it's gonna get filled in. And, you know, it's also been like, I've been making these videos online and focusing on social media and just really getting these messages out to the world about different ways of living and different possibilities and different ways to relate to life. And I hope to work towards sharing that in deeper ways and I'd like to get a website soon. And, you know, this is just really the beginning stages because I've been traveling for so long. I haven't been grounded enough to really cultivate a deeper vision like this. So over the last few months, it's been building the vision and starting to put it into form. And it's going to just slowly but surely come together. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what we've been going through. So I, I mean, you guys, you're going to do amazing. Like, I love your videos. I love them. I look forward to them. Mm, it sounds you. like we're going to have to have a part two when you're done with your book. Um, yeah. Okay, and we can put a link where people can watch the video of your part two podcast and with a link where they can yes. pre-order your book. Yeah. Uh, because I think part two, it would be awesome. I know we're kind of limited on time now. This is an incredible podcast, yeah. but I would love to dive into your travels in part two. Yeah. Sounds like I'm sure those are some incredible experiences. Real quick, what are the places you went to when you traveled? Um, I've traveled all over the United States, a lot of different places, mainly Colorado, California, nice. uh, South Dakota, uh, Florida, all sorts of different places. And then I've been around British Columbia quite a bit and also to Columbia has been a big place where I've gone and sat with different elders and communities down there in Mexico as well. And all just you? Yeah, well, often with past partners, I was with a, a woman for a while and we did a lot of traveling together for a couple of years. That She was the one who introduced me to Colombia and also opened a lot of doors in Mexico. Cool. And then also I've traveled with elders before and then other friends and people that I've, you know, been in ceremonies with. But really, the travels have been mostly focused on spiritual work and ceremonies, and continuing to weave different prayers and support this uh, idea of the eagle and the condor prophecy, which maybe you guys are familiar with. But that's a whole other topic. <laughs> All right. So the next one is going to be eagle and the condor, the ego, right? The ego and the condor. The eagle, oh, eagle the north and the south, the alliance between the north and the south, and the coming together of different nations across all of the Americas. This is the ultimate cliffhanger of a podcast. Ah, That's awesome. I can't wait to see your website stuff too. Yeah, it's keep, all gonna be great, man. Keep us in the loop, man. You you definitely yeah. got our support in every way. Yeah, for Thank sure, you. for sure. Um, well, dude, if you could leave the world with one message, what would it be? I would say to really take care of your relationships, you know, make the connections that we have in this life the priority because at the end of our of our time here, that's what we really reflect on is how much did we love, how much did wow. we value the people. That's amazing. Love that. That's awesome. Love it. Man, thank you so, so much for coming on here with us. Yeah. Thanks for being vulnerable, telling your story talking about all you've been through. So excited I'm so happy for, you. for you. Yeah, yeah, so happy for you. Healing, mm -hmm. you are so peaceful, calming, and well-spoken. You're gonna do some incredible things, brother. Very, very excited yes. for you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks for the opportunity, and it's great to connect with you guys. I love what you're doing, and totally support you guys, too. Oh, awesome, thank man. you so much. All right, well, you have a good rest of your night, man. It was great chatting with yes, you. Yeah, happy, well. happy healing. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>